0: Alex Kirkland, where are you right now?
1: So I'm here in Madrid, in Spain. I've been covering uh, Spanish football here for ESPN for four years now, since 2019. And I've been based here in Madrid uh, since 2012, so just over a decade.
0: Yeah, so that's why we want to talk to you today, because you're covering one of the most massive stories, not just in sports, but the world right now. And so we need to begin a little over a week ago. It's August 20th on the other side of the world in Sydney, Australia. What happened? What happened?
1: Well, Spain won the World Cup.
2: From the corner, driven up, Coy grabs it! Spain wins the World Cup!
1: And it was one of the two greatest achievements in the history of Spanish football, I think. The men won the World Cup back in 2010, and this was the women winning the world cup here in 2023 and in many ways i think this was an even more impressive achievement because the women's team had come so far in such a short time from being really out of the picture in terms of the best teams in the world just a few years ago and now being absolutely the world's best so in many ways i think you could frame this as being the greatest achievement in the history of spanish football
0: Wow, it's significant. And it's not just for the players, but the entire nation. And as they're celebrating this trophy, Alex, something happens that tainted the entire experience and has now emerged as a massive ongoing story, both in Spain and across the world. Describe that moment for me.
1: Yeah, as the post-match celebrations were underway, um, people started to focus on the behavior of Luis Rubiales, Rubiales is the president of the Spanish Football Federation, so one of the most senior dignitaries in in Spanish football. And people started looking at what he was doing out there on the pitch and coming to the conclusion that his behaviour was unacceptable. There were a number of incidents in particular that people started to pick up on. The big one, the one that has really got the headlines and has sparked such an an outcry and a reaction – was the fact that he kissed the Spain forward Jenny Omoso as she was going up to collect her medal after the final. Luis Rubiales kind of grabbed her, hugged her, and then kissed her on the lips. And it was pretty clear, looking at those images, that this was not a consensual act. This was him kissing her on the lips in the moment. There were some other moments as well. Um, Images later emerged of him up there in the stands in the immediate aftermath of the final whistle, kind of grabbing his crotch and gesturing down to the pitch. And he was doing so while uh, sat alongside him was the Queen of Spain, as well as as one of the princesses. There's also images of him picking up another one of the Spain players, um, Athenea, and kind of hoisting her up onto his shoulder and carrying her. All of this behaviour from Rubiales if people didn't pick up on it immediately because of course in the heat of the moment the euphoria of the celebrations there's a lot going on over the next few hours as these images this footage started to be shared and people started picking up on it a a picture of his behavior emerged very quickly and and people started to start talking about how how unacceptable and how unfitting it had been for such a senior executive um, to be behaving this way on the world stage
2: just remind ourselves uh, about what this man did he Grabs Jenny Hermoso, puts his, his hands around her face, and he gives her a big kiss on the lips, which he, I don't know, he thinks it's hilarious, it's appropriate. It's really, really not appropriate.
0: Rubiales has been defiant since the kiss, saying it was consensual and has refused to step down. So the Spanish government has now started legal proceedings to suspend Spanish Soccer Federation president Luis Rubiales. The Spanish team is now saying, too, that they just refuse to play until he's removed. In the moments following the Spanish women's World Cup victory over England, the prevailing emotion should have been euphoria. But instead, what happened on the pitch has become one of the biggest stories in the world. Because when Spanish Soccer Federation President Luis Rubiales grabbed and kissed forward Jenny Hermoso, he stepped into a controversy currently raging in Spain about consent, about equal treatment, and about where the line should be drawn. So today, Alex Kirkland joins us from Madrid to take us inside this firestorm, which shows no signs of dying out anytime soon. I'm Emily Kaplan. It's Thursday, August 31st. This is ESPN Daily.
2: Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
0: All right, Alex, let's just start at the beginning here. Who is this guy, Luis Rubiales, who's at the
1: center of all of this? So Luis Rubiales has been president of the Spanish Football Federation since 2018. It's an elected position. Um, He had a background before that in football. He was a professional football player. He then went on to be the head of the most influential players' union here in Spain, AFE. And from there, he launched a bid to be president of the Spanish Football Federation, which is one of the most influential positions, of course, in Spanish football. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say that throughout his time as president of the Spanish Football Federation, he has been kind of repeatedly involved in in controversial incidents, a number of, of incidents involving Rubiales, involving decisions he has made, involving the way that he and the Federation have behaved over the last five years that have made him a, a highly controversial figure, I think. How would you describe his reputation before this World Cup? I think it's, it's fair to say that some people will point to his achievements while in charge of, of Spanish football. And it's undoubtedly true, for example, that the, the revenue and brought in by the Spanish Football Federation, has increased significantly under his tenure. And there have been genuine improvements in terms of the attention to grassroots football here in Spain. But there have been a number of major controversies as well. And just to mention one or two of those, very quickly, we can go right back to the very start of Rubiales' tenure in 2018. On the eve of the 2018 Men's World Cup, he um, fired the coach, a chap called Julian Lopetegui, literally hours before the World Cup was about to start after a row with him because Lopetegui had agreed to take over a club side Real Madrid after the tournament was completed. And there was also the controversial decision to take the Spanish Super Cup, which is a kind of, what used to be a pre-season tournament involving the winners of the league, the winners of the cup. Um, He took that tournament overseas uh, to Saudi Arabia, earning a lot of money for the federation in the process, but a lot of people had issues with that decision on human rights grounds. But it's really been the treatment of the women's team and the sort of the way that the women's team is or isn't prioritized by the federation that has been the major source of controversy over the last year or so.
0: Right, because at the core of this controversy, Alex, is misogynistic behavior. So I'd love you to go into more detail his history with the women's national team.
1: Yeah, this really came to a head in uh, September last year in something that was up to that point, one of the biggest scandals, I think, in, in the federation's recent history. Now to an extraordinary story from Spain where 15 players from the women's national team are expected to quit. Spain's Football Federation has rejected demands from a group of players for coach Jorge Vilda to be sacked because his tenure was affecting their emotional and health state. 15 members of the Spain women's team sent a letter to the Spanish Football Federation saying that they would not be willing to be considered for selection, they would not be willing to play for the national team until a number of changes were made. One of the changes that they demanded uh, was the removal of their coach, Jorge Vilda, and they basically suggested that he wasn't particularly competent, he wasn't particularly good at his job. A lot of these players, we have to remember, play for some of the biggest club sides in Spain and in European football. They play for Barcelona, a lot of them, for example, one of the best women's teams in, in the world. And so they have seen increasing professionalization at club level. And a lot of these players were saying that they weren't seeing the same kind of improvements at national level. So like I say, a total of 15 players said they wouldn't play for Vilda again, they wouldn't play for Spain again until the infrastructure around the Spain women's team was significantly improved. So those were their their complaints. There have been some allegations around that of of a more serious nature. But fundamentally, their complaints about the coach and about the setup was that it wasn't professional enough and it wasn't putting them in, in the right position to succeed.
0: So they raise a number of issues. How are these concerns heard?
1: I don't think they were heard at all. They were completely ignored by the Federation, at least initially. Essentially, the Federation and Rubiales reacted in an incredibly hostile way. They told these players, essentially, that the players didn't have a right to, to complain in this way, and they certainly didn't have a right to refuse to play for the national team. Basically, the Federation said to these players, um, look, you are under, under an obligation to play for the national team if you are called up. If you refuse to do so, fine, you're out of the picture. You won't be going to the the World Cup. And they also asked for an apology. They said, if you want to come back and play for the national team again, you will have to apologize for what you've done here. So. Like I say, essentially, they did not, that they rejected these complaints out of hand, at least initially.
0: So the women are asked to apologize, do any?
1: Well, it was a process. The Federation never publicly conceded on any of these issues, but privately, they did make some changes to address these players' concerns. In the meantime, these players had a very difficult decision to make because they knew that this World Cup was just around the corner and they were facing the prospect of missing out on what should be a career highlight. And understandably, that was an incredibly difficult position for them. And of those 15 players, they've each kind of handled it in their own way in the end. And three of those 15 ended up being part of the Spain squad at this World Cup. 12 of them were not involved at the World Cup. Of those 12, seven of them were still refusing to play. And five of them didn't end up being selected by the coach. And among those players who were left out were some of Spain's very best players. So the team was significantly weakened as a result of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, that friction is not ideal as a backdrop heading into the biggest tournament of these women's lives. But they persist on and they find success and they win the whole thing, which leads to the moment at the trophy ceremony of the federation president kissing one of the players. What did Jenny Hermoso say about it afterwards?
1: Yeah, we probably have to kind of break down her reaction over time, because I think understandably, it put her in an incredibly difficult position. Um, she was in a position where she wanted to to celebrate, to enjoy the moment, to enjoy the pinnacle of her professional career with her teammates. She didn't necessarily want to be, you know, having to deal with this. I think that's I think that's entirely understandable. The first thing we heard from Jenny Omoso was a comment from her inside the dressing room during a, an Instagram live video. And, um, she basically made a throwaway comment. It it sounded like, you know, there was a lot of noise in the dressing room, but her teammates were were kind of teasing her about it a little bit because they had seen what had happened. And she said, I didn't like it. But she said it kind of with a laugh. And like I say, it felt a bit like a a throwaway comment. Later on, I think as people started to realize that this was a big deal, uh, the Spanish Football Federation put out a statement attributing words to Jenny Omoso and basically dismissing this controversy, saying it was no big deal, saying it was you know in the euphoria, the heat of the moment, saying it was consensual, and basically trying to downplay it and to protect Rubiales. Now, what we should say is that subsequently, whether that statement actually came from Jenny Omoso and whether she knew anything about it has been called into question. And the allegation is that that statement was essentially an attempt from the Federation to protect Rubiales. So that was the reaction initially on the day of the of the final remember as well of course the context is that the finals taking place in australia the team and the delegation have to fly all the way back here to madrid spain which takes of course pretty much a day with a stopover and so there was also the issue of that for much of that initial day after the final you know the, the players the squad the delegation were on a plane flying home and so communication wasn't necessarily all that easy either What about Luis Rubiales? What was his initial reaction to all of this? The very first thing we heard from Rubiales was he was interviewed live on the radio not long after the final. And this was before I think people had really started to process what had happened and the severity of it. But he was asked about it by a radio host and he just completely dismissed it. He called critics idiots. He said, we're not going to listen to these people. We're not going to waste any time paying attention to these people. I think as the severity of this became clear and the scale of the reaction came clear, the Federation realized that the Rubiales had to come out and apologize. And so when the team um, stopped over in Doha on the way back from Australia to Spain, they recorded a video apology from Rubiales. It was a classic in the genre of, you know, I'm sorry if any offense was caused, but I'm not really sorry for what I did. That kind of apology that we kind of hear often in, in this kind of situation.
0: Rubiales doesn't quite apologize; he he backtracks. Jenny Hermoso, um, at first she said it wasn't a big deal, and that should have been a story that faded away, but it didn't. So explain what
1: happens next. So in terms of Rubiales' apology, government figures, uh, right up to and including uh, the acting prime minister Pedro Sanchez, he came out and said it was insufficient, it was inadequate. I mean, one of his acting deputy prime ministers went a step further. Yolanda Diaz called for him uh, to resign. And at the same time, the context is kind of, I guess, a growing coverage of this internationally as well. I think that can't be underestimated. I think people in Spain have been increasingly aware of how much coverage this is getting around the world and the way that this has become kind of embarrassing for Spain on a a global stage. So you had more and more figures from Spanish politics, from Spanish football coming out and saying, look, Rubiales' apology wasn't good enough. He should come out and do more. And it was at that stage that we heard from Jenny Emoso. We're now talking a few days later, I think. um, She came out, again, not directly initially. She came out via her her union, FootPro, which represents a number of women's players here in Spain, and her agency as well. They put out a statement. The key thing, I think, the thing that Jenny Hermoso really objected to was that Rubiales had insisted in that initial video apology that this kiss was consensual. That was what I think she really had issues with. And so this initial statement from Jenny Omoso that she put out um, made it clear on that one point that this kiss was not consensual. This had been Rubiales kissing her. Uh, Jenny Omoso then released a much longer, really quite eloquent statement on social media in which she talked in a lot more detail for the first time about how she felt about this. She talked about how she'd been made to feel vulnerable. She talked about how she had felt like a victim. Um, She also said that she... Her family had been put under pressure by people at the Federation for her to come out and defend Rubiades. I think that's really significant as well, because it's not just about the incident itself. It's also about the way that this has been dealt with subsequently. And the fact you're putting pressure on someone who has potentially been the victim of a sexual assault and people close to her, I think that's really, really significant as well.
0: Yeah, Alex, as a journalist covering the story, I'm just curious, what do you think that pressure looked like for Jenny?
1: I think in practical terms, I talked about how the journey back from Australia to, to Spain is, you know, pretty much 24 hours on a plane. And there's been reporting that during that flight home, officials from the Federation were approaching Jenny Hermoso were approaching her family, because some family members, had, of course, had traveled with the players over to the World Cup and were flying home with the players. So the Federation had initially approached Jenny Hermoso directly, asking her to defend Rubiales. And when basically she refused to, they then tried to go via her family, via people close to her, asking them to help convince her to come out and defend Rubiales. That's super intense. <laughs> yeah.
0: But Alex, once Hermoso clarifies her stance on the issue, it seems to escalate things. And there's calls for Rubiales to step down from the highest levels of government. How does he react to that?
1: Yeah, by this point, pretty much everyone expected Luis Rubiales to have to bow to the pressure, both both domestically here in Spain and internationally, and resign. And in fact, the Federation started briefing, started telling people off the record that Rubiales was going to resign. Um, he called a, a an emergency meeting of the Federation's General Assembly for last Friday, and the implication was that he was going to use this opportunity to resign. Everyone expected it to, to happen. What happened, in fact, was very different in a really quite dramatic and theatrical and and extraordinary and outrageous, in many ways, speech. And Rubiales said not once, but five times, that he was not going to resign.
0: No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir.
1: No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir. The suggestion is... That this was tactical from Rubiales that he had put out the message that he was going to resign in order to kind of throw his critics off the scent only to then turn around in this big dramatic moment and say i'm not going anywhere and what was quite difficult to, to watch was the reaction from there in the room because there was applause for Rubiales as he was speaking as he was saying i'm not going to resign as he was defending himself once again as he was attacking his critics. He made it sound like basically this was a kind of a conspiracy from his enemies out to get him. Um, he talked about false feminists, um, whatever that means, being responsible for, uh, for this. He once again insisted that the kiss was consensual. He offered a kind of a, his version of a play-by-play account of what had happened in the moments before the kiss in which he, he kind of claimed to share Um, the words that had been exchanged between him and and, uh, Hermoso. And as I say, as he was speaking, he was receiving um, the applause. Cameras picked up Jorge Vilda, who is the Spain women's team coach, and uh, his uh, men's team's counterpart, Luis de la Fuente, so the coach of Spain's men, both applauding their Luis Rubiales' speech. Um, So, like I say, it was incredibly dramatic and and kind of uncomfortable um, to watch. But this was Rubiales once again, refusing to accept responsibility, fighting back and saying that he would not go anywhere. And he said, I will kind of fight this to the end to to defend myself. One interesting point to note is that in the aftermath of this speech, um, 11 members of the Spain women's team coaching staff resigned. Not the coach himself, Jorge Wilder, but basically all of his support staff resigned. And one of the reasons they gave for resigning was that they said that they had been essentially pressured to attend this speech, Hmm. and they had been asked to sit in the front row. And a number of them are are women. So the implication was that this was, again, kind of choreographed to try and give an impression of support for, for Rubiales.
0: More after the break.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. Every time, or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: So Alex, when we left off, it was last Friday and Luis Rubiales had basically gave his Wolf of Wall Street on that effing leaving speech after calling for him to resign and he receives in that room some support and applause. But were there any reactions outside that room that ran counter to that?
1: Absolutely. The reaction was one of shock when they saw that not only was he not resigning, but that he was doubling down on, on this. And the reaction was pretty much instant um, from the Spanish government earlier in the week, the acting Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez had talked about it. Um, the Deputy Prime Minister Yolanda Diaz subsequently came out and said, "Look, no, this is this is clearly not acceptable. This this man has to go." Now, the complicating factor for the Spanish government is that the Spanish Football Federation, while it performs a public function, it's a private body, and so the Spanish government can't simply fire. Rubiales. There are processes they can go through, but they're a little bit complicated. They can take some time, but it's not as simple as, you know, the prime minister says that Rubiales has to go and he's gone. It's not that straightforward.
0: The governing body of all of football, FIFA, how do they handle this news?
1: Yeah, I think the feeling after that Rubiales speech was that this is the last straw and that this guy, if he's not going to go anywhere, then someone had to come in from the outside And remove him and in the end it was fifa world football's governing body which acted first they began disciplinary proceedings and as part of that uh, they provisionally suspended rubiales from all football related activities for 90 days while those disciplinary proceedings are ongoing at the same time and this relates back to what we talked about earlier in terms of the pressure that was being put on jenny almoso and rubiales was also prohibited from making any contact with her with her people close to her uh, with her family while those proceedings are ongoing as well. The Spanish government also said that it was going to begin the process to try and remove Rubiales, which is a little bit complicated, but it basically involves a case going to a body called the Sports Administrative Court, which is the legal body that looks after sporting matters here in Spain. Them agreeing basically to hear a case about Rubiales and why he should be dismissed. And that would allow the Spanish government, for the time being at least, to suspend Rubiales as well. Of course, what we're talking about here is sporting justice. We're not talking about criminal justice. That's something entirely separate. And in fact, prosecutors here in, in Madrid have um, said that they are going to open a case looking at Rubiales' um, kiss of Amoso to see if a criminal offense was caused. So that's that's a different thing. But in terms of kind of sporting justice, FIFA are the ultimate authority.
0: All right, well, Alex, on Monday, we got maybe the strangest layer of the story yet, and it involves Rubiales' mother. And maybe it shouldn't be so surprising considering how defiant he's acted But explain how she's decided to handle the
1: situation. Incredibly bizarre. We heard news on Monday that Rubiales' mother uh, had locked herself inside a church in his hometown of Motril in Andalusia, in the province of Granada, in the south of Spain. Um, And she said she was going on hunger strike until, um, as she put it, justice was done for her son. I think she said that he was being subjected to a bloodthirsty witch hunt and she was saying that that had to end. And so, yeah, she locked herself inside a church. Hard to say exactly what kind of impact this would has. It's made quite a scene on the ground in in Montreal, which is a smallish town, which Alice is from and still spends quite a bit of time there. There have been kind of um, protests and counter-protests on a relatively small scale outside this church where, at the time of recording, his mother is there On hunger strike, I think she's been visited by family members who've given her water, medication, and things like that. But at the time of recording, at least, um, she is still there inside that church and saying that she won't come out um, until her son, I suppose, is, is vindicated.
0: And Just yesterday, we actually got reports that his mother had been taken to a local hospital after feeling, quote, tired and stressed out. And Alex, I also saw reports of a large demonstration in Madrid to begin the week. I've also read stories where people have called this Spain's Me Too movement. So I'm curious, what has this story revealed about society in Spain?
1: The backdrop to this, I think, has been a, a growing conversation in Spain over the last few years about issues around consent that really came to a head uh, with a, a law passed in 2022, which is called it in Spanish, um, solo CSC, only yes means yes, which was an attempt by the government. Um, to basically pass a, a new law around uh, sexual consent. And so that generated a great deal of discussion, some controversy, um, some people in favour, some against, because Spanish politics is, is very polarised. It's pretty much 50-50 between left and, and right. Um, Spain, in terms of social issues, it, sometimes you get the feeling that it's, it's, it's a little bit behind even some of our, our European neighbours, and certainly in, in the US, in terms of how these things are are discussed here, and awareness Of these kind of issues and you do find some very conservative attitudes here you know you look at spanish football in particular you look at the governance of spanish football and it tends to be men of a certain age of a certain social class it tends to be white men as well so i think all of those factors play into it and yes yes we have seen some progress we've seen it in in other other issues for example in the issue of racism in, in spanish football which came under the spotlight in in the last few months about a racist chanting aimed at one player, the Real Madrid player, Vinicius Junior. In particular, that also sparked a, a global outcry. So in all, in all these kinds of social issues, you get the feeling here in Spain that, that yes, progress is, is being made, but at the same time, there, there is so much ground still to cover.
0: With that, Alex, I'm curious about the allyship that the women are receiving. You know, I've seen so many other women's football players, including here in the U.S., like Alex Morgan, stand by Jenny Hermoso, call for Rubiales to step down, calling for justice. What have you heard from the men's footballers in Spain?
1: I would say not enough. I would say we haven't heard enough from, from men's footballers here in Spain. Now, some of them have spoken out. Coincidentally, a number of them play for the same club, Real Betis, a club Based in uh, Seville, in Andalusia, and one of their players, the forward Borja Iglesias, who plays for Spain, he came out and said he would not play for Spain again while Rubiales is in charge. Hector Bellerin, um, Isco, as well, uh, the former Real Madrid player, came out and spoke about this. So there have been one or two isolated cases. I saw Barcelona captain Sergio Roberto um, tweeted about this as well, and we also saw some teams in La Liga at the weekend with some collective displays of support. For example, the um, the Cadiz Team came out with a banner before their match at the weekend, saying "We are all Jenny." Uh, the Sevilla team at the weekend came out wearing T-shirts bearing the slogan "It's over," um, which has been adopted by some of the players regarding this instance. So there have been there have been some instances, both individual and collective, but I do think it's been it's been notable that we haven't heard from more of Spain's men's footballers.
0: So, Alex, we see FIFA stepping in with the jurisdiction that they have, suspending Rubiales. We see government and prosecutors looking into the possibility of pursuing sexual assault claims. But I'm curious, what comes next? Like, how does this get resolved? Are there other forces that could be at play?
1: Well, uh, Rubiales could still decide to resign. It may seem unlikely, but that is still a possibility. And in fact, the kind of the interim body that's currently in charge of the federation since Rubiales was suspended by FIFA, they came out on Monday and called for Rubiales to to resign. If that happens, that would be a huge step. Otherwise, the process to remove him permanently is more difficult. As we say, he's been temporarily suspended by FIFA. Let's see what the outcome is of those disciplinary proceedings from FIFA. At the same time, let's see what the outcome is of, of the Spanish government's attempts to have him removed. But all of that, of course, could then be subject to appeal if he wants to. If he really does want to fight it all the way to the very end. You know, these, these processes, these legal processes can be dragged out over a long period of time. In terms of the federation, and for now, as I say, there's kind of an interim committee and acting president in charge while Rubiales is suspended. And in the longer term... Uh, The next presidential elections at the Spanish Football Federation are due for next year, for 2024. They have to take place next year by statute because they coincide with Olympic years. And of course, next year, we've got the uh, the 2024 Paris Olympics coming up. So that's when the next um, sort of permanent successor uh, to Rubiales uh, would be chosen.
0: Alex, when you have a grand achievement like winning a World Cup, it should be a euphoric celebration. So I'm curious how all of this has tainted what the women have been able to enjoy from this experience. Yeah, it's just such a shame.
1: Because as as we've said, this should have been the absolute highlight of their careers and one of the biggest moments in, in Spanish football history. And yes, we saw the celebrations on the pitch itself. Yes, we saw celebrations here in Madrid a day later when the players returned, but pretty much since then, all of the discussion, all of the focus has been on Rubiales, on his behavior, on his failure to apologize, on his refusal to resign. And it must just be so dispiriting, I think, for the players. The players as well, you know, whenever they are appearing in public, they are being asked about this. They're being asked to comment on this. And it does feel like the focus has slipped away from where it should be, which is this incredible sporting achievement of these women. And let's hope that when this is resolved, at least in the short term, we can start to move on. The focus gets back to, uh, to where it ought to be.
0: Alex, I appreciate all of your on the ground insights, perspectives, and reporting, and I look forward to continuing to follow your coverage. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks very much. I'm
0: Emily Kaplan. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.